Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners and podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe that it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and this week we are hanging out with the famous Blair Enns. We're really excited to welcome Blair to the program. He's founder and CEO of Win Without Pitching, the sales training organization for creative professionals. He's the author of two books, The Win Without Pitching Manifesto and Pricing Creativity, a guide to profit beyond the billable hour. Blair, welcome to the program. Hi, Brent. My pleasure. Happy to be back. Yeah, it's great. I know you've been doing a lot of work on uh, on your new book, your new project, all about pricing. As we dive into that, I want to understand from you kind of uh, where did you get inspired to tackle this problem in the marketplace? Like why this? I know you've had your win without pitching manifesto, very successful in our market. Why is this the second project that you've taken on? Let's let's dive into that. Uh, good question. And I guess there, there are multiple reasons I took it on, but I, um, I had a moment, I had, had a few moments, but one in particular comes to mind and I write about it in the book where I, I realized I knew nothing about the subjects of pricing and value. I, so I was, uh, I was, we run a training program and I was onboarding into our training program a few years ago, um, the president of an ad agency. And I knew this guy a little bit. I'd worked, he'd come to some seminars I'd done previously. And he was a subscriber to our webcast series back when we did one. And I'm, so I'm on the phone with him. I'm onboarding him, getting him set up in the program. And he says to me, kind of by the by, he says, you know, I, he said, I, I, uh, I really want to thank you for what you do. We've made a lot of money from your advice over the years. And I said, oh, that's great. I appreciate that. Thanks. He said, no, no, no. We've made a lot of money from your advice over the years. And I went, oh. And and so he started to tell me about the the multi-million dollar, multi-year deals that his firm had closed. And uh, some of them he derailed pitches. Some of them he just gained the inside track. But I started adding up all this money. 
And again, I tell the story in the book and I was struck by multiple feelings at the same time. You know, <laughs> Like, where's my cut? Where, where, where's well, my percentage? Let me, <laughs> let me start with the more magnanimous feelings. I first, I thought, oh, good for you. I'm really happy for you. And then I thought, you know, as a consultant or a trainer, I was a consultant at that or in the time that he was speaking about. It's really hard for me to take, take ownership of my clients' results. Like it's easy to get, it's actually easy to give good advice. It's hard to implement that advice. So he was kind of overweighting my contribution, but I, I appreciated it. But the overwhelming feeling was what you said, which is that's not fair because I, I totaled up like as best as I could in my mind, all the money he'd spent with me over the years. And it wasn't much, it was like five or $6,000. And he's saying, no, we like, we've made millions of dollars on a you know return on a five or six thousand dollar investment and so i thought well of course this is a ridiculous feeling blair of course of course it's not unfair like what about all the people who've paid you so much more money and have not achieved the same results but i hung up the phone i thought you know what i'm i'm gonna learn everything that i don't know about pricing and value and even the subject of fairness so i ordered three books and i thought I'm a big reader. I thought, I'll just read three books and I'll know everything there is to know about pricing. And I realized the first book was a throwaway. I got one good thing out of it. But it was the, it was the only poor book I'd read on pricing. The second one was Ron Baker's book, Pricing on Purpose. And how he, Ron Baker, A, knows a lot about pricing and B, is an exceptional writer. And chapter one of that book is called, Why is Movie Theater Popcorn So Expensive? And it's not what you think. And I'm reading this thing. And at the end of that, I was just completely riveted. It looked like a textbook. I I wasn't looking forward to reading it, but I was just completely riveted by the subject. And at the end of that chapter, I realized the subject of pricing is as large as the subject of like behavioral economics, behavioral psychology, human judgment and decision-making. It is a massive field. And I realized I'm not going to learn everything I need to learn in three books. So I've, I don't know, I've lost count, but I spent years just reading on pricing, on behavioral economics, on related subjects. Like as an example, you and I made a little joke about time before we went live here. I said, uh, where does time go? That's the question that keeps you up at night. I own four books on the physics of time because I started to ask myself, you know, that saying time is money. Well, is it? Well, and then you start thinking, well, what is time and what is money? And I came to the conclusion, I went down this rabbit hole of time and money, and I realized I cannot explain to you what either of those things are. And there are very few people in the world who can explain really what money is, and there are fewer people in the world who can explain what time is, and I don't think there's anybody in the world who understands both of those subjects. So, you know, so I end up reading four books on the physical time. I, I have kind of a long, in a Colby score, I have a long fact finder. I need to get the information. So I read all of this stuff and finally I felt like, okay, I, I, know, I know something about pricing. I started off for pricing guidance to my clients. And then a friend of mine said, you should write a book on this. And I said, well, there's not like, there's lots of great books on pricing. And he said, yeah, your clients aren't going to read those books. Mm. So that's when I realized I'm going to write a book on pricing. And so uh, it's the first pricing book in the world, I believe that is priced based on the principles in the book. What's the price of the, the, the book? So there are three options. The most expensive option is $320. The middle option is $199. And the least expensive option is just the ebook. It's $100. 
Now, all of them come with a money back guarantee. So if you buy the book and you're not happy with it, you don't make more money, whatever you want to get out of the book, you don't get but, but it. But not the normal price for a book is is kind of what I'm, I'm hearing from you, right? Because normal yeah. book, 20 bucks, maybe $29 for hardback, right? Yeah. Now, I learned this lesson years ago. Actually, my first book, which I never talk about, I don't, I refer to the manifesto as my first book, but when I launched my consulting practice, I sat down and Win Without Pitching is a training company now, but back in the beginning in 2002, it was a solo consulting practice. So in 2001, as I was preparing to launch this career, I wrote down everything I knew about agency new business development. I put it in a manual and I just call it Win Without Pitching. And I sold it on my on my website for $1,000 a copy. And the And I had read a book. I read Alan Weiss's book, Million Dollar Consulting. Yeah. And there was a line in that book. When I read the line, it just, I found it was profound. It it moved me. It changed the trajectory of my business. And I closed the book and I thought, and I thought for many years afterwards, what is the value of that one sentence? If I had hired a consultant and he had charged me $20,000 at a time when the $20,000, I mean, still is a lot of money, but it was a lot more money to me back then. uh, I would have paid it had I known I was going to get the outcome and it would have been incredible value. And then I thought, well, and I paid $20 for the book. So that gave me the courage to price my consulting manual essentially at $1,000. Now, I took it off the market when, um, when we published the Win Without Pitching Manifesto. But when I, when I was writing Pricing Creativity, you know, I knew the, the, value of, the value of writing on pricing. It's, it's the fastest way to increase your ba- bottom line is to change how you price. So I knew there was just incredible value here. And I had no, I had no qualms about uh, pricing it in units of hundreds of dollars. I want to talk about pricing a little bit, because obviously that's what, that's, that's what we're going to talk about today. But um, I mean, this is, it, is, it is a topic worth many books. It is a topic worth expensive books. I think that offering an expensive manual on this topic is is probably the right thing to do. But there's it's like this yin and yang between like art and science. I, I mean, I've priced so yeah. many things for us where we've spent a huge amount of time and effort trying to determine the price and it's not worked well for us. We've spent no time determining what something should be priced, kind of going with that initial gut and it's worked extremely well for us, and, and then everything in between. And I find that this is one of those topics that probably more than any other topic keeps me up at night when we're launching programs, when we're identifying whether something is, is selling well or not. Like, is it the offer? Is it the, the value proposition? Is it the price? You know, there's all sorts of mindset garbage that comes along with pricing your services, sticking to your price. I mean, I don't know how many times I've created a proposal and like been about to send that to a client. And at the very last minute, I go in and I change the price. I, I usually drop it a little bit. So like, oh, I get, get the, you know, the, the, the shivers about they're going to say no, right? And I, the easiest thing to do in that moment is just to lower the price. So, so how, how at a high level, how did you approach pricing in, in your book? Because this is very much art, science, mindset, and I, apparently some physics of time. <laughs> that was just a distraction, but... Yeah, it's a great observation. It really is kind of a mix of art and science and the balance in that mix really depends on what type of business you're in. So if yours is a customized services business, and by that I mean every new client is a blank slate of opportunity where 
the best thing that you can do is is to custom customize an engagement to the client. So I would suggest that digital agency owners listening to this podcast, most of them should be running customized services business. They're, you're, you max out at 12, 15, maybe 20 clients. Sometimes maybe you can make a case for going a, above 20. Uh, most firms are in kind of the 30 or more range and they have actually have too many clients. But that's a like customized- Active clients or per year? Ongoing active clients at any one time. And I'm not talking okay. about like hosting or maintenance clients. Yeah, um, but like we're going to build your website, we're going to do digital marketing, et cetera. Yeah, active ongoing clients at any one time. It really should be somewhere closer to 10. And so there's a customized service business on one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is a productized service business. A productized service businesses are built for scale. The culture is entirely differently, entirely different. I used to run a customized services business. I was a solo consultant. And I decided at the beginning of 2013 to transition to a productized business and pursue scale. And not because that was the better model, but I realized I was trapped in the mushy middle. And I made this realization when I was doing my research on pricing. I realized I started to understand value and value-based pricing. And value-based pricing is this idea that you come to the client, the engagement with no assumptions. You uncover what it is that the the value that the client really wants to create. You remain really open-minded about constructing an engagement that's really designed to best help the client create the most value for the client. And then you price based on the value that you would create for the client. So a truly customized services firm that is pricing and constructing the engagement and pricing based on value, if I would look at all of their engagements, they would all be different and quite different. But the, I found I was... So I was as, as a solo consultant, there's only so much scale you can pursue as one person. So I really should have been a customer, mine should have been a customized services business, but I had productized my services and I put these list prices on them. And, but I wasn't, it wasn't scalable. So I was kind of doing this, the productized services pricing model without the benefit of scale. And that does not make sense. And what's interesting in all the agency types and mark creative and marketing businesses out there, the ones that are most trapped in the mushy middle, they're quasi, they're, they should be customized services, service businesses, but they're quasi productized. It's digital agencies. And the, the worst violators of everybody in the digital agency space are, I'll just name names here, not the specific names of the firms, but they're HubSpot partners. And it's not, it, HubSpot doesn't, and it's not, it's not anything HubSpot's doing wrong. It's just and and some, just for the record, they're not sponsoring me or paying me or anything like that. So you just you just go where you want with this. Well, I, I love HubSpot. I used to have some great friends there. HubSpot's been very good to me. I've spoken to a lot of their events. The product is fantastic. The people are great. The loyalty, like there's so much great about it. So I'm not, I'm not trying to throw HubSpot under the bus, but I do want to observe what I'm saying. And I, I talked about this at Inbound three years ago. I talk, so there's a, there's a video of me talking about productized versus customized services business and how HubSpot agencies are trapped in the middle. And the reason, and it's not, again, it's not just HubSpot, but they, the HubSpot partners seem to be the worst violators of this. It's because HubSpot does a great job of, of leading their partners, of giving materials, of training and advice. So they've trained their, their partners, their agency partners to look to them for best practices. And HubSpot doesn't say to them, you should pick three packages of pricing and put them on your website the way we do. But that's what people end up doing. They look at what HubSpot's doing and they think, well, we should do the same thing. The 
the difference is their firm is not built for scale, where HubSpot is a product company, right? So that's the mistake. And you see it in digital agencies that resell marketing automation, CRM, other things. They look to the company that they're reselling and they look at how they price and they adopt those metrics. So if yours is a productized service business, and so mine is today because One Without Pitching is a training company, HubSpot is, Salesforce is, their their product businesses, product or productized services, you're built for scale. You should have low marginal cost to implement an, next to new client. There's no real number which it just doesn't make sense for you to take on that number of clients. And pricing, when it comes, and you should have published prices on your website, but you, you arrive at those prices by doing these segmentation studies and it can be as sophisticated as it sounds, or you can just do it kind of anecdotally where you're saying, I have clients kind of this size, this revenue who value these things. We'll put together this option for them. I have other clients who are bigger, who higher revenue, who value other things. We'll put together this package and this price for them. And that's what you do when you're a productized services firm. When you're, so that's, that requires a lot more science. Like there are 90,000 pieces of information, data points that go into the pricing of an airline seat. 90,000 points. So that's like heavy on the science and the computation. Now, in a customized service business, it's more art. It's more the art of the conversation. You're, it's more about your ability to conduct a value conversation, your ability to let go of solutions and to focus on the client. We'll come back to that. And, but that's the, the perspective that I was trying to bring to the subject was, I think in, a, in pricing for a customized services business, you cannot... You cannot decouple the subject of pricing from the subject of selling. And that's my sweet spot is selling. And so you, the, those two things are interconnected. Where If you're pricing hotel rooms, they're not connected. Pricing is all science, right? When you're pricing digital agency services, it's a lot more art than it is science. And a lot of that art kind of crosses the line from pricing into selling and negotiating. Interesting. I love what you say about quasi productized. Yeah. Cause I, I see this a lot. I mean, we definitely in our program, we, we, we do like to see people have some more scalable offers. We like to see them start to move that direction, but I see this all the time where people create the packages, they create the offer and they're going in there to start to scale in the marketplace, but then they, create the basket of add-ons and the customizations. And they even, you know, even though they're, they're trying to stick with a core offer, once they're in there with the client, they're doing discovery and things like that. They still, you know, they, they want to basically unpack their customizations. I was just talking to an agency yesterday and they, and I said, well, you know, like walk me through your offer. They go, Oh yeah, we have three packages. But then the fulfillment team was on the call. They were like, uh, no, we don't. We have like a hundred, <laughs> like, you know, it was like sales thought we had three packages, right? But yeah. fulfillment was like, actually, every time you guys deliver us a project, it's actually totally different. Like you might only, we might only charge three things. We might have three retainer levels, but we really have like countless amounts of different types of packages that could be sold from their perspective in terms of what's actually being offered. So that's a firm that's doing a lot of things wrong. So yeah, why do you, the real reason why you would package up your pricing and stick to these, we're just going to deliver price 
deliver these products at these prices is the pursuit of scale. As soon as you have to customize things, it all breaks down. If you're, if you're in a place of, if you're customizing things for your clients, it's appropriate to have three options for those clients. But the key is the three options are different every single time. They're different every single time. So I have some rules in the book that's broken up into four sections. There's principles that you need to understand. There's rules, there's tips, and there's tools. And there's six rules that you want to follow all the time. And I just go through the first three. They're really important. The first one is you price the client, not the job or the service. So that means if a client says, hey, what do you charge for X? You don't have an answer because the answer to your question really depends on the value of X to that client. And we can go deeper into that. We can come back to that if you want. But that's rule number one, price the client, not the job. Rule number two is to always offer options. And there's all kinds of behavioral science around why it's important to offer options. The big one is the client's brain isn't wired to look at your proposal. And you, let's say you put a proposal forward for 50000 or for 10000 a month or something. They're, they're, not, they, they're not wired to answer the question, is this worth that much money? The brain, and I prove this in the book, is wired to answer the question, which of these is the best value? So you change the question from, is this worth X? to which of these is the best value. And when you, those who have done this already, they see the big difference in the, the client goes to work solving the problem that they're actually enabled, equipped to solve, which is which is these is the best, the best value. So you always offer options and it should be a minimum of three options, three or four options. Three is better than two because there's a principle known as extremeness aversion, which says, if you put three options in front of people, they'll tend to move towards the middle because the Options on the ends are the more extremes. So rule number one, price the client, not the job or the service. Rule number two, always offer options. Rule number three, anchor high. And what that means is your first option, the first option that you discuss with the client is the most expensive option. And the job of the price of the anchor option is not to sell the anchor option. The job of the anchor price is to make the other prices look more affordable in comparison. There's all kinds of science around anchoring. It's a really powerful concept, but just follow those three rules. Price the client, not the job. So don't get locked into this idea that we charge X for whatever service. Number two, always offer put forward three options to the client. And number three, anchor high. What I mean by that is begin with the most expensive option. Just follow those three rules There are three more, but just follow those three and you'll be so much further ahead. And I think if if firms listening to this, if you're stuck in the mushy middle, when you start to do this, offer options and you put, sorry, price the client, that's the big one. And then you put forward options. That means if you're following rule number one, when you apply rule number two, it means the options are always different. You're, You're actually putting together options that make the most sense for this client. And then you're putting the prices on them that make the most sense. You shouldn't have three standard packages of gold, silver, bronze with three standard prices. Not unless you really are, truly are pursuing infinite or near infinite scale. And almost everybody listening to this podcast is not in a business that it make, where it makes sense to pursue scale. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners? Are you currently an SEO agency or an agency that offers SEO services to your clients? I have some exciting news for you today. There's a platform called SEO Monitor that is built specifically to help digital agencies provide more effective SEO campaigns for their clients, ultimately helping you guys make more money and be more profitable. 
SEO Monitor is the only SEO platform that is actively working for you as an agency. Their platform is laser focused on companies that are offering SEO services to their clients, providing deep insights on keywords, campaign level reporting, and also a topic explorer that's going to help you provide better keyword research for your clients. Their platform understands the dynamics of running multiple SEO campaigns and also managing multiple clients under one platform. One of my favorite tools within the SEO Monitor platform is their forecasting tool. This tool literally allows you to forecast the value of SEO services so that you can go back to your clients and help pitch them on higher value services, which is totally in alignment with everything that YouGurus teaches. SEO Monitor offers a world-class support team, so they're there when you need them, and they have top-level service-level agreements to make sure that your agency is always able to deliver to your clients. If you want to find out more about the SEO Monitor and YouGurus partnership, go to seomonitor forward slash DAS for Digital Agency Show. That's seomonitor.com forward slash DAS. On that page, there's more information about how SEO Monitor is going to help you level up your SEO game, deliver better results to your clients, and become more profitable. There's links out to their free Topics Explorer tool, which is pretty awesome, free for anybody to use, and I highly recommend it. They also have information about their Spark program, which is a $5,000 grant for SEO agencies or companies that are focused on SEO that have been in business for less than three years. So check that out at seomonitor.com forward slash DAS. All right, let's get back to our program. So in terms of... And I love this. I love this blur. I love, I love the simplicity of the rules. I, I like the simple things. You know, I kind of have that, that squirrel brain where it's, especially yeah, when we're talking too. about things yeah. like pricing and it's emotional and, and all that kind of stuff, just going in there with kind of a framework for that. So you can create packages for the client without tying your agency to three specific packages for every client all the time. And I, I think I'm totally on the same page with that, especially if you're doing face-to-face selling for every deal and you're doing discovery for every deal. You know, it's like, why, why would you go in and do discovery and go through the, the, the challenge of unpacking that client's problems and not get the benefit of being able to price the client, as you've just said, right? Versus yeah. and there's the productized good- offer where you've got more of your systems and your marketing is selling for you versus you having to actually show up kind of in that room. And there's a good litmus test. If you're doing paid discovery, you are not productized. You are not, you are a customized services business and you're, what you should do, you're probably thinking, well, we just need more clients. No, 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 no. You need to be more focused on, you need to let go of these things that you think, well, I can, I can sell them A, B or C. We've got A, B or C to sell. You need to let go of all of that and you need to go more deeper into your clients. You need to focus less on what it is that you sell and what you charge and more on what do you, like, what do you want, madam client? Mm. What do you, what do you want? How much value could we create here? And, and conduct a value. Con- so rule number five, we've skipped over four, but rule number five is the toughest one. It's master the value conversation. And the value conversation is a four-step framework. And it's really hard to learn to do, but when you do it, everything changes. And what happens when you learn to do this is you actually start to let go of solutions. You, I want you to be able to go in and have a value conversation without ever once talking about or thinking about what you usually do and what you usually price. And when you can learn to do that, man, everything changes. How do, how do clients, and maybe, maybe this is a non-issue, right? But rule number one, price for the client, not the job, right? Is that something that you ever see your clients struggle with, with their clients? Cause they, they are kind of 
creating pricing based on that client's ability to pay or the value that they're 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 delivering. Uh, I'm sure common objections. I'm sure the agency owners themselves have more objections than their clients do in terms of adopting that. But like, you know, hey, is that fair to charge client A this and charge client B this? But is there any kind of objection or overcoming that issue uh, that you talk about in the book in terms of like if a client comes back and says, well, you charge my friend 10K for this, why am I paying 35? Yeah, and I, I don't know if I have the story in the book, but when I was a consultant, so in, in a consultant customized service business, in theory, I should be pricing the client. I had this situation where I had four clients that were all in the same peer group. And they went to this big peer group meeting. And then afterwards, all four of them emailed me on the sly and said, hey, I'm not supposed to be doing this, but your name came up in the last meeting. And everybody compared what they paid you. And uh, there was a little bit of outrage because there was four different prices for the same thing. And uh, so all four of them sent me this email on the sly. And uh, so I, I pulled the invoices and I was struck by a couple of things. And I, so I sent an email to all four of them <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> You're like, I see what's going on here, right? And I said, uh, okay, I, I appreciate all of you have reached out to me. So I violated the confidence, but they all did. I said, and we all have a healthy respect for each other. So I said, I, re- I appreciate that you've all reached out to me and said this. So I want to make two points. Number one, I reserve the right to charge you whatever the hell I want. Your, your decision is whether you pay it or not. And number two, I've pulled the invoices and one of you, one of the three of you bought a different product. I'd packaged things up. And the other three of you who think you've paid three different prices, you all paid the same price. You just misremembered. <laughs> so it was, it was an interesting experience. But the, I made the first point of like, I don't like, I have no qualms about the fact that, that I, uh, I reserve the right to charge you differently for now it's. So I was trapped in the mushy middle. They had bought the same product. They were kind of within their right, at least to a certain extent, to say, hey, you charged me more. But I could have responded, and if that had been true, I could have responded and said, like, I have a friend, my podcast partner, David C. Baker, he has, he's trapped in the middle, making a million dollars a year. <laughs> but he, he has kind of, he, he, uh, he modifies it. Like, so he's got a standard offering called the total business review and it's a set fee and I forget what it is. But then as the size of your firm increases, the price goes up from that base fee. So that's a form of value-based pricing. He's making some extrapolations, some assumptions of value based on the size of the firm. And that's a, that's appropriate to do. So when in a, in a productized or quasi-productized service business, you do have to be aware of that. You are setting yourself up for some scrutiny around, well, you, I, somebody I know who has a firm similar to mine, they bought this from you and you charge them more. So that, that is an issue. When it's customized, you're almost never going to get that because you. it's really hard for people to comprehend this, but you, everybody listening, you're so locked into how you do what you do. You have these ideas. You just you're not treating your clients as individual businesses with different needs. Your the client starts to talk about their problem, and you immediately think, "Oh, I'm going to sell them package B." And that is not that is not the way to do business, unless you're in a productized service business where it's clear that you can buy A, B, or C, and usually they can just buy it from their website without a conversation from you. So, your as a customized service business your clients aren't going to end up buying the same things. The engagements are all going to be different. And even if at some point, like I talk to designers and in the book, I talk about the Nike logo 
Phil Knight in 1971, in today's dollars, paid $200 for the Nike logo. And I contrast that with the Pepsi logo. In 2008, PepsiCo hired Arnell to update, redesign, tweak the Pepsi logo and paid them a million dollars. So I asked the question, like, what does the logo cost? And I established that a logo costs between 200 and $1 million. <laughs> and we know people who've paid less than 200. You can go to fiverr.com and pay less. And we know of firms or companies that paid far in excess of 1 million. So like, do you think PepsiCo said to Arnell, well, I'm not paying a million dollars for that. Or Phil Knight only paid $200 for the Nike logo. I mean, they're entirely different businesses at different stages of their life, different revenue sizes. Like one was a multi-billion dollar company. One was a startup. The value to, of that work to the different clients, the value was all different. It was, it was extremely, like the idea that, that a startup should pay what PepsiCo pays for a logo is absurd. It's absolutely absurd. So don't get dragged into this. You know, it just if you're, you're confronted with the question, just say to your client, listen, we charge, we charge people different, different prices based on the value of that offering to them. But that, you know, that's the, you know, that opens a whole other can of worms, like time, back to the subject of time, Brent, we're going to talk about time. <laughs> I feel like I need some kind of like Twilight Zone music, like to, to play in the podcast. We'll see if that happens. Is, uh, is time a commodity to be sold or is it a, is it a, um, is it a restriction? Is it a constraint or is it something else? entirely but it's if you view time as the commodity to be sold you start pricing based on time we do that because it's the easiest way to count and it's the easiest way to justify to the client but it also seriously limits your earning potential like i said i think most of the firms listening to this they're probably stuck in the mushy middle of quasi productized and they're probably thinking oh, i need to sell more they probably think the product model and set price model is right they just need to sell more that's not right i don't think they need more clients I think they need to let go of thinking about their products, their prices, and become focused on the client and sell, put together engagements that really are about value creation, where you create the value however you have to or can create the value, and then get paid based on the value you create. Yeah. I assume you cover this in the book. We've only got a couple of minutes here before we go to lightning round. Where where can somebody start? I mean, we've talked a lot about like the philosophy and the principles behind this. I mean, we've talked about pricing for the client of the job, the three options, anchor high, but then there's that question of, well, what's high, right? Like, and, and you also have, you know, price based on value. Is there yeah. an equation there? Is there a starting point? Like at some point I have to press the number of keys on my keypad and say this service is $1,000 or- No, don't price the service. Or I'm sorry, I'm priced this option. Yeah, price this option at this this dollar amount. So the question is how like how high? What's the number? And I'll I'll answer that with a story. So a friend of mine, I write about one of his value, his first value-based pricing story in the book. But after the book came out, he emailed me a, another story. And he said he's a solo consultant. And he said, I had a I had a client with a thirty thousand dollar budget, and I presented three options and closed them on a three hundred thousand dollar solution. <laughs> of course. But that wasn't the anchor price. The anchor price, and I always I tell people the story and ask them to get what the price, guess what the price is. Nobody ever guesses the price. The, he led with the anchor option of a $30 million solution. So imagine this, client says, my budget is X. And you say, okay, I'm gonna come back with a, with a few different ways that we can work together. 
and you come back with your proposal and say, I've got three different ways we can work together. I'm going to start with the most elaborate one where I think we can help you create the most value and hold on to your hats because the price of that option is $30 million. And so client says, my budget is X and you come back with a proposal for 1000 X. And then he goes to the, here's what we can do for 30 grand. And then he goes to the middle for, got this middle option for, it's just $300,000. So the science of anchoring, and there's a lot of science around this, says that there is no boomerang effect. There is no anchor price that is so high that it will negatively impact the price that the client finally chooses. Now, we have to be careful because that science is done through mock juries and asking for certain awards. And I realize there is a boomerang effect for those listening to this podcast. And the boomerang, like you will create animosity if you propose to be paid more than the value you propose to create or more than what they see as a fair share. So I don't know how much value my friend thought he was going to create with this $30 million solution, but I'll, I'll bet two things. Number one, I'll bet he thought he could create $100 million in value. And I'll, number two, I'll bet he put almost all of his compensation, if not all of it, at risk. He tied all of his compensation to delivering on those results. And so you do that in the anchor option, then you know all of a sudden $300,000 looks pretty reasonable. I mean, especially if we're talking about creating millions, maybe even $100 million in value, $300,000 is nothing. There's a lot we can yeah, talk about. There. I know, man. I've yeah. got so much that I want to go through, but we'll have to we'll have to 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 find. Uh, you're going to be a trilogy in our podcast uh, lineup, right? They'll be like part right on. one, part two, part three. Uh, this has been super valuable. I mean, I think I think that is. You've read a lot of books on pricing. You've spent the last several years of your life both in studying this topic, practicing this with your clients and your training business. And also now writing this with your book. So, you know, I think it's fair to say that this is a, a, a multi-hour topic that people should follow up with you to, to find out more info. But I think that, that that gives us, I mean, you know, you included something like 30 million to a hundred million. So three to one, like that feels good. And I like the thing that you said about if the anchor is is not is if the anchor is not anchored in value, then there can become animosity where somebody can obviously see through and see that you're using anchoring or you're using a high dollar amount specifically for the tactic of anchoring, but not actually believing in the value that that could deliver it. I can definitely see that. I've seen that in practice where, where people use big numbers just as a purpose of trying to get you to psychologically understand that, but it could have a negative effect. It still works though. The science says it still works. Yeah. Even It works even when you know it's being done to you, but yeah, good, go on. good. So, so yeah, I think that you we, we could obviously talk a, a lot about this. I love the rules that you shared with our folks today. The insights on on pricing and the mushy middle. I think there's tons of takeaways from this episode. Blair, do you have a couple of minutes to hang out with us for lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. All right, and I'll have to compare notes of what your first lightning round answers were for what your lightning round. Yeah, I don't you, you will be held accountable to this. All right, what is the best advice you've ever received? Oh yeah, I've had this before. Never break more than one law at a time. Do you remember that? Is that what you said was on the first one? Yeah. If you've got a body in the trunk of the car, you should stop and fix the burned out headlight <laughs> or don't speak. That's good. That's good. I. I uh... I might have thought about that law at some point in my own, in my own time. Uh, which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success in the last six months? 
recharge, the idea that time off is not a reward for effort or good behavior. Time off is a requirement uh, for success. You, you, put, you take the time off first so that you can recharge, so that you can be creative and energized. Can you share an internet resource or a tool or app that you use uh, right now that you think our listeners would find valuable? Internet resource, I'll, I'll go with a podcast and I listen to a lot of podcasts and I hope it's, I hope I didn't mention this last time, but I listen to Econ Talk. I don't listen to every episode because not every guest is, I find really interesting, but I listen to it because of the host. He is the best long format interviewer I have ever encountered. And he's an incredible role model for how we should, how you talk to somebody that you don't agree with. Cool. I'm, I'm a big econ fan, so I have not heard that podcast. I'll check that out. Besides your own, what book could you recommend and why? How about, I haven't even read it yet, but it's on next on my pile, Negotiating for Purchasing Professionals. <laughs> I'm going to- That sounds riveting, to, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to a procurement conference in a couple of months, and it's like thousands of dollars for me to go to this procurement, so to hear all the lies they tell each other. No, beside my own, what book would I recommend? Peter Thiel's Zero to One, wow. Notes on Startups and Inventing the Future. Okay. I think it's it might be the best all-around business book that I've ever read, and it's a real easy read. That's a great book. I, I listened to that on audiobook, and I remember a tree fell in my backyard, and I had to cut it up into four-inch pieces to put into uh, the trash to take it away. So I listened to that book while I cut this tree up into four-inch pieces. It, it, it got me through it, for sure. So I, I love that recommendation. Blair, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, I'm at winwithoutpitching.com. And if they're interested in the book, they can go to pricingcreativity.com. That will redirect them to a page on our on, at Win Without Pitching. I'm Blair Anz on Twitter and LinkedIn. Love to say hi if anybody wants to reach out. Awesome. We will link out to, to your websites. We'll link out to your books, your social media profiles, all that good stuff on our show notes. You can find that at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Again, we'll have links out to everything. We'll have key takeaways and quotables from Blair's episode today. Again, if you're on the road or on a run, you can find that when you get back to your computer or phone at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Blair, thank you so much for stopping by the program today. Oh, the pleasure is all mine, Brent. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. All right. That's our program for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming at you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in your business and life. Until then, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision 
to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show.